Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about the system that we use to get clarity on our goals, certainty that we have the tools to reach them, and wealthy on our terms by rigging the game in our favor. Uh, and we share it here because we want to help people like you reach your goals on your terms. You've been told to scale, buy this product, buy that product, often from well-meaning people. And so it's not your fault when you look around and you ask yourself, why am I not where I want to be in my business? And as our mentor and business partner, Dan Nicholson says, the biggest risk we take is not getting what we want out of life. Got my good friend, business partner here, Mr. Paul Sparks himself, not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. And guys, if you get value out of the show, please hit that subscribe button right now. That way we can help more people become wealthy on their terms. Title for today's show is Brain Melting Math 2.0. Uh, but before we get into that, Paul, what do you got for a six-word update? Six-word update. All I do is give presentations. It's uh, <laughs> it's funny how <laughs> how things have changed since uh, you, you know a year ago when you and I started. I was a little over a year ago when you and I started doing this, but mm -hmm. it's it's like that's all I do now. Uh, I had two two presentations a week for Whale Club. We've got two podcasts that we do every week. We did a you know three-part webinar series this week and last week, and I've got the Whale Club event tomorrow. So it's just <laughs> funny as I'm reflecting on, you know, what, it's like, what do you do all day? It's like pretty much just all I do is give presentations. You'd and, be careful. Uh, you might turn into an influencer. Yeah, might, might, might do it. But that's what I like to do. You know, I like to, <laughs> to think about things, to give presentations on things. And so it's cool. It, this stuff works. And I'm uh, starting to play my game a little bit. All right. Wonderful. So for me, my six word update, boring realtor play with upside. So um, I finally got the website up and running, posted on Facebook this week, got really good engagement on it. So that's a positive sign. Uh, so we'll see where it goes. But, you know, that talk that you and I had months ago, uh, we're finally now collecting a wait list. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> How's that going? How's the wait list going? I think we got four, you know, not great, but um, it's, I, I have it set up, you know, we talk about uh, certainty and, and making sure you micro step the right way. So I have it in the, in the thing, like you have to let us know how you heard about us, right? Because it benefits the partners, uh, but indirectly what I also know is who's not carrying their weight. So mm. <laughs> now I'm going to go back and say, hey, I've noticed you're not getting a lot of engagement from your audience. What's going on? Are you promoting it? So um, an, an indirect benefit of, of attribution is we can see who's not carrying their weight. There you go. Benefits of micro-stepping. Benefits of micro-stepping. And yeah, like before, I'd be like, hey, we're doing this event on this date. I don't care how many people come. Now it's going to be like, we're not doing this event until 50 people raise their hands. We're just not going to do it. Right? It's not worth my time if there's not enough interest. And, it's not, and instead of spending all our, our resources, our time, our effort, our energy, um, squandering all of that, burning our people out, spending money on events. We're not doing any of that until we know that the, the market demands it. Mm. It's good stuff, man. Yeah. We're learning, applying, applying what we're learning on Certainty Talks and the Whale Club. All right. Isn't it so funny how long it takes too, <laughs> right? It took a while for us to get here. And, um, and we're still violating it. I know, constantly. Still, still violating it. I personally cost us money uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, not micro-stepping, not collecting, 
making a decision. It's like, damn it, I'm still violating this. So, but it's an, it's an iteration, and we're getting better. Uh, all right. So, what is the what's the problem? Why do we need brain melting math, Paul? Well, if you guys watched our brain melting math that we did, <clears throat> I don't know. This was probably a couple months ago, maybe mm -hmm. more. Uh, this is brain melting math 2.0. And the real problem here is, you know, <clears throat> really before I understood this, my default was to just more. Mm -hmm. And because we don't understand the math that I'm about to show you guys today, and then Dan showed me this, and it was like my brain melted right then and there. You know, it was like cracking an egg on a car in Phoenix in the middle of the summer, you know. <laughs> It's like just melted and you just it, it was staring me right in the face like I was fighting harder um, for more without really understanding the levers and the, you know, the, the buttons and the knobs and all the things that you can pull to get closer without actually doing any more work, without doing any more effort. A lot of times we just we fight so harder because so much harder to to do more because it's just easier to do that. It's much harder to slow down and. And take a second. So well, we're going to show you guys some math today. And I think there's a reason for that, though, right? I mean, like, um, the people that are attracted to what we do, right, real estate, generally tend to, uh, the ones that have any kind of success, tend to embrace the willingness to do what it takes, right, that mindset. And so our, our orientation in our group, our audience tends to be, let's do more. And if I'm not getting the result I want, push harder. If I'm not getting the result I want, push harder, right? And that's a, that's a tool that's worked for us for so long. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense why they're that way. Yeah. Well, and I do think that a lot of us, for whatever reason, we see a path to financial freedom and certainty as we want to build this big business. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm not suggesting you shouldn't build a big business. All I'm suggesting is you may not need to build a big business in order to get what you want. Big businesses come with big problems, um, all sorts of big things, right? It's not always rainbows and butterflies. And I would rather optimize my business for like the smallest and the most reliable it needs to be to still fund the things that I want in life. I'm not trying to um, endlessly grow a massive business. The business is sort of a means to an end, right? It's allow me to pursue what I want in business, pursue what I want in life <clears throat> on my terms. And so uh, we'll just show you a little bit of math today about how it's easier to just take the time to understand this, to get closer without actually chasing more and more. Perfect. So uh, we have a phrase that we talk about and we talk about it on this show, but we talk about it in Whale Club quite a bit. It, it's we, we call the three C's and we borrowed this from Dr. Jeff and Nick. Again, everything we do comes from somebody else, right? We've, we haven't had an original thought in a while. Um, we're just learning this stuff from these people and applying it in our life, but they call the three C's clarity, certainty, collapse time. And when we talk about clarity, we're talking about the solvable problem. You know, what are you actually trying to accomplish in your life and your business? What do you want? And it's a very simple question, not easy to answer all the time. What do you want? Um, it can almost be anxiety-inducing. And so uh, 
we spend a lot of time on this show talking about how to get clarity on the solvable problem. Cause if we don't know where we're going, how do we know we're getting closer to it? It's sort of like the Cheshire cat in Alice in Wonderland. You know, if, yeah. if, um, she, you know, she says, Hey, you know, which way should I go? And he says, I don't know. Where are you going? It's like, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which way you go. If you don't know where you're going. Right. Um, and that's part of clarity, right? We've got to get clarity. Absolutely. And you know, it's actually kind of funny. Uh, my personal trainer, she was asking me some questions and I was giving her the, I don't know, what do you want? And she didn't have that answer. I was like, well, then you need to read Rigging the Game. And so mm-hmm. uh, on Tuesday, she shared with me, she finally finished the book. She's like, this should have been required of reading in high school. I was like, I had a bad idea. Yeah. So anyway, that's clarity. Well, let's say, for example, that you, and I'm going to use big numbers here because I don't want to play a small game. I want to play a big game. Let's talk about the scenario where you get you get it all. Like you get everything that you want out of life. Mm-hmm. And let me just throw out a number. Let's say it's ten million dollars. You 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 know you go through our solvable problem process, or maybe you're working with a coach that you have, or maybe you're reading one of the dozens of books out there, hundreds of books out there that talk about goal setting and things like this. Um, we like to think we have a pretty good process to go about this. In fact, I know we do because it's been massively helpful for you and I, and we're really going to be digging into that actually tomorrow at our Whale Club event is just how do we get clarity on what do we want? What mm-hmm. is it that we actually want out of life? Um, but let's just say we were able to put a number to that, and it was $10 bucks, right? $10 million. Most of us is like, wow, if I had $10 million, yeah, I could pretty much do what I wanted, when I wanted, on my terms, on my timeline. Of course, assuming you're not a, you know, dummy and you squander it all away or something like that. But, (laughs) you know, uh, I think let's use 10 million as an example. So you got clarity. 10 million is the number. It allows me to fund the things I want on my terms and my timeline. Then we implement certainty, which is what we talk about a lot on this show as well. It's all about, which is the second C. So clarity, certainty. And certainty is all about how do we actually navigate the terrain of life? How do we make decisions that help us get closer to that goal and optimize for it? Mm-hmm. Um, and really what I want to do today is I want to spend time on the third C, which is what we call collapse time. It's essentially, okay, if we know where we are and we know where we're going, we think of it as almost like a Google Maps. You know, when you plug that into Google Maps, it's going to give you the, the most efficient route to get from where you are to where you're going. It's not, yeah, there's a million ways you could go. Mm-hmm. You know, you could turn around and go all the way around and whatever. Point being, Google Maps is optimizing for the least amount of time and the least amount of uh, risk, I suppose. They're going to mm-hmm. put you on highways. And so when I think of collapsed time and what we're going to talk about today with the brain melting math is how to do that. If you know where you're starting and you know where you're going, let's look at some numbers so that we avoid chasing more and more and more and we optimize for like what we actually need to hit our goals. Gotcha. So I'm going to, I'm going to switch over to a spreadsheet here. Now this is going to be a little difficult if you're listening to this. Uh, So I highly suggest if you can to go over to uh, YouTube so Steve and I actually migrated our uh, Certainty Talks podcast. Long story short, it was throwing off the algorithm a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we moved it to its own YouTube channel. So you guys might be wondering where to find Certainty Talks. 
And if you're watching and or listening to this, you're going to want to try to go over to YouTube. You can search for Paul Sparks Official. That's my uh, YouTube channel. Under that, there's a Certainty Talks playlist. We're going to put all the Certainty Talks stuff there. In fact, if you like Certainty for real estate, uh, definitely go subscribe to that because we're going to be pumping out a lot of content related to how to use these tools. Um, so if you want to follow along and watch what I'm doing, it's going to make it a lot easier. But of course, we're going to try to talk through this so that if you're listening, you can still uh, get the majority of it. All right. So let's talk about a scenario, again, where we're going to talk about the least amount of risk, least amount of effort, and most amount of options to get to $10 million. That's the goal here today. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to use, again, some fairly large numbers. Now, not everyone's going to be starting out with what I'm... Steve, can you see this? Just yeah, so I can half a mil. Yeah. Great. So you got half a mil. And I'm not necessarily talking about half a mil sitting in cash. I'm talking about maybe you've got it inside of, and again, let me let me just preface all this by saying none of this is financial advice. This is just <laughs> math that I'm trying to show here today, right? Not advocating you do or don't do anything. I'm just suggesting this is something that could be done, all right? With that being said, let's say you got $500,000 in a HELOC or in an IBC policy. Now, right now, the rates for a HELOC are a little higher. They're probably closer to like, I don't know, prime, prime plus one. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of places historically where you could borrow against equity or against an asset that you've already got. And let's say you could borrow against that at 5%. You know, again, maybe it's in an investment account. It could be cash and this could be zero. This number right here could be mm -hmm. zero and not 5%. Um, and I'll talk about a couple scenarios here. But let's say you're starting with that. And you take that $500,000 that you've pulled out of your HELOC and you turn around and you invest it with a private, uh, as a private lender, let's say. Now, there's people all over the country who will give you 12% for fix and flip loans, for development projects, for all sorts of stuff. You can go out and you can buy long-term rentals and get 12% return. You could right. do this with short-term rentals. There's syndications. I mean, there's tons of opportunities to be a fairly passive investor and earn about 12%. Would you agree with that, Steve? Oh, heartily. Um, it's, it's a skill that can be learned, acquired, and be really simple. If you have capital, you could find someone that will pay you 12. It wouldn't be that hard. Yeah, and, and the big part of this 12% right here is, is relationships, right? Investing in the person. In most cases, you're investing in the person when you're doing private lending. Yeah. When you're doing long-term rentals, you're investing in the asset. Short-term rentals, it's usually the asset. Syndications, it's probably the person. Again, if you're, if you're watching this, you can see I've got some of this stuff kind of listed out here. All right. So if I take my – back this out a little bit. It's easier to see. So if I take my 500000 I borrowed at 5% and I invested at 12%. Well, that's a net monthly income of, you know, about three grand. It's 35,000 a year. Yeah. And that's pretty obvious, right? Mm -hmm. 7%. It's 12 minus five. Makes sense. You're like, yeah. okay, I get it. What's the point? Who cares? <laughs> well, here's the thing. As you're investing this from the HELOC, and again, I'm just using the HELOC as an example, and you're making that arbitrage between the 
what I'm what I'm advocating for here is let's say you you do this and at the end of year one, you pay off your HELOC. You pay this back off. So we're not continuing to, you know, reinvest this money. We're just going to earn this 12%. Thank you. And we're going to pay this one off right here. And we're going to keep the difference. Mm -hmm. So what we're really doing here is we're creating a surplus. I like to call this house money. Right? We got paid. We paid off our original debt. And now you've got a surplus. Great. So you say, what's the point? All right. Now, a lot of us are active investors. We listen in, we're listening to this you know, um, episode right now, and you're not a passive investor. You, you're like, I want to wholesale. I want to flip. I want to do developments. I want to do value-add multifamily or self-storage or whatever it may be. Because maybe it's because you want to leave your job. You know? Um, but what I can tell you is my experience is a lot of people, most of the people who actively invest are earning let's say something like 70% on their money. So let me give an example, Steve, and you tell me if I'm, if I'm off with this, and maybe we can lower this to 50% to just make it a little bit more uh, practical. So if someone, if you earn $35,000 from taking your money from your HELOC, you invest it with a private lender, they pay you 12% on 500 grand, you pay off the, the HELOC and you keep the difference and that's 35,000. So great, you got $35,000 of house money. Now, if you go out and do a fix and flip with 35000 and you're putting 10% down on a, uh, uh, a fix and flip, so it's a $350,000 home, and let's say you sell it for four fifty, and you make thirty-five grand. I mean, in this case, I'm showing 50%, so that's like, that's like making what, 17 grand-ish? Yeah. So yeah. what I'm suggesting is, let's say you do a flip with $35,000 and you make $17,000 and that's it. Once. 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 I'm talking once in the entire year. So your whole yeah. first year, you're doing nothing except for finding an operator to place 12% with. The second year, you're taking that $35,000 and you're flipping it once and you're earning 50%. I, I think it's a little bit more reasonable to earn 70% mm -hmm. on a flip. That's, that's his, I mean, that's what I'm seeing. Yeah. Right. So let's use 70% here. And so throughout the entire first year, that's all you do. You do one flip. So at the end of your second year, so the first year you made 35,000. Great. The second year you took that 35,000 and you invested it to get an extra 70%. So that comes out to about 60 grand. But you also have the 35000 coming in from the second year. So you're going to do this twice. You're going to draw money from your HELOC. You're going to invest it with an operator. At the end of the first year, you say, thank you. I'm going to take my chips off the table. And then you're going to make another loan back to them again. So you've done this now twice. Mm -hmm. At the end of the second year, you're left with $94,500, which is 35000 plus about sixty. Yeah. Following so far? Yep. Pretty straightforward. Now, what happens if you take this $94,000 off the table again? You took it off the table from your private lender. You took it off the table from your flip. Now, also, I realize that I'm not accounting for taxes here. This is, not a, this is not a debate on tax strategies, right? I'm just trying to show some math here. 
Um, so you've got 94,000, you pay off again, this loan here. So your principal is protected. And of, and of course we want to do this because let's say, for example, you're borrowing $500,000 against your house, your primary house. I mean, we don't really want to take a lot of risk with that. Mm -hmm. Right. So we want to pay this off as quickly as we can. Now let's say we took this 94,000 and all we did for the next eight years is flip that money every year at 70%. So we take this and we invest it to get 70% return year over year for the next eight years. That's six and a half million dollars by the end of the, by the end of the total 10 years you've done this, you're now sitting on six and a half million. You're like, dang. Yeah, I mean, six and a half million is pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good, right? Yeah, starting with half um, a mil in equity. And so we need this to we need this to get to ten million, right? Mm -hmm. So you say, okay, well, of course, if your number was six and a half million, you're there. Just do that. But what if you did this year after year after year? Again, remember, I advocated with this ninety four thousand number. That's like just put your principal at risk for two years. Put it in the hands of a private lender two years in a row. Take the earnings off the table and funnel it into a flip pro into flip projects. If you just if you just exposed your principal for two years, you'd have ninety four thousand dollars at the end of those two years. And if you took that money and invested it into flips, you'd have six point five million by the end of ten. Right. But if you did that same process every single year. Of take the five hundred thousand, put it into a private investor at twelve percent. Take the chips off the table. The next year, you're just taking those money, that money, and putting it into a flip. Do that every single year for ten years, and you're at ten million. It's pretty simple. So, what does this say? Here's a couple things I want people to think about. So, this is this is one scenario. And just keep in mind when we're talking about this. This whole deal, this is just one flip a year. Well, so I say a flip, right? So let's look at this as it breaks down. Year one, you make 35000 from your private lender. You invest that into the second year, and you do one flip with the 35000 That becomes about sixty grand. Mm -hmm. Then the next year, you still got thirty-five grand coming in from the private lender, right? Mm -hmm. Plus, you're investing this money again. Right. And so it continues to grow. Right. And so, of course, if you're at on year, you know, nine here, you're at two point four million. You'd have to figure out how to flip two point four million into four point one five million. Now, of course, as you continue to grow as an investor, you might do one flip and then another one flip and then another one flip. By the end of year three, you're doing two flips. Yeah. Then you're doing three flips. Then you get to half a million, and you're like, maybe we put this into a value-add multifamily. And you get here. And then this year, you're like, let's throw this into a development project. And you get here. So you start to see, like, it doesn't need to come all at once. It can start by, I mean, and, and I can tell you right now, I'm doing development projects that can, that are returning, like, this almost this amount right here, 2.4 million in, in profit on one deal. Yeah. So as you continue to grow as an investor, you may graduate from doing one flip a year 
to one flip a year to one flip a year. Now you do two flips a year. And then now you do one, you know, value add multifamily deal. And then you do one development deal. And my point is, it doesn't necessarily have to be more deals. You can do it by just making one fantastic investment every single year. And guess what? You're playing with house money. Right. This is all surplus that we're multiplying. Can you, uh, for those that are watching this, can you elaborate on FV? Because the the way you have it written is, is different than how I would write it. So you just elaborate what FV is. Sure. This is a future value calculation. Mm-hmm. So future value is like, what's the value of this in year 10? And in fact, this should be reversed. So yeah, this should be, this should say future value year 10. I've just got these backwards. Okay. Basically. But that's how future value is calculated. It's like a negative, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So yeah. don't ask me to explain the math. I just know how to put it, plug it into the equation here. <laughs> okay, perfect. Right. And so point is, um, you could take your chips off the table and just flip with just house money Mm -hmm. with no risk to your principal and end up with six and a half million. Or you could continue making this bet with 500,000 into a private lender every single year and just arbitraging the difference, borrow it at five, invest it at 12, borrow it at five, invest it at 12. You do that for 10 years, you're at 10 million. Now, let me give an example of what I see a lot of people say. They're like, well, why wouldn't I just go the other direction? Why wouldn't I start flipping first? Well, let's look what the math says. So you invest $500,000, you borrow it at 5%. Of course, I'm, I'm not suggesting you do that because this is, if this is a HELOC on a primary residence or you're borrowing against some sort of investment account, you know, this is the this is the goose, man. We don't want to we, we want to keep the golden goose healthy, right? And protected. So, I'm just suggesting this is what a lot of this is the way I thought was like. Well, why wouldn't I just go get a bigger return? We'll invest the 500 at 70 percent. Now I'm making 325k a year, mm-hmm. and I'll take that 325 and I'll pop it in here and earn 12 percent. Again, let's look what the math says. At the end of year 10 doing it just taking the money off the table, right? You take, or sorry, at the, at the end of year two, you invest into a fix and flip at 70%. You do this two years in a row. You flip, take the money off the table, pay off the HELOC. Flip, take the money off the table, pay the HELOC. And then you're just investing this sum, 689000 at 12% for the next eight years. You're at $1.7 million, And... When you, when you do this over and over and over again, the same way we were talking about before, you're actually only at $5.7 million. That math blew my mind when I saw that. Because what most of us will do is we'll take on more risk than we need to. Mm-hmm. We're taking on high risk here with our principal at five hundred grand, borrowing it at 5%, and we're saying, I want more. This number's bigger than 12. Right. So I want 70 but, but why instead, wouldn't you um, do the, the 70% on the 325? Uh, so you would invest it back into fix and flips is what you're saying. Yeah. $93 million. Yeah. So you're saying the order. So if you were to do the money and then, and then put the, the profit into the... Uh, lending. 
Yeah. So what what I'm suggesting is like the way most people talk about this is mm -hmm. earn a bunch of passive, earn, earn a bunch of high active income mm -hmm. first, and then downshift into something more passive. Right. And that is true. That is something that you know the hope. I can't remember exactly what I said. It's like, man, I can't wait to have so much money. I could just be a lender. So yeah, yes. I, that's what you're saying. And, and if if our question is, what's the least amount of like, so we're trying to get to 10 million. Mm -hmm. What's the least risky, least amount of effort way to do that? Well, you tell me. If you're exposing, like flips can go wrong. I'm making an assumption that I'm going to get 70% every right. single year, but that's not guaranteed. Right. Right. So when I take less risk here on my first investment, yeah, it's not as much. We're only making 35 grand a year. But when you take that off the table and then you invest that at 70%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this right. is us talking about the, the golden goose before, right? Like, let's take care of the golden goose, have a spit out income, and then take that surplus income and invest that at a, at a higher risk, higher return um, investment. That's right. Yeah, right? That's so right. We're, all we're talking about here is let's take less profit with our goose. And then take the profits from the goose and invest that in a higher return scenario. Exactly. The right. order is wrong. Yeah. And, and the reason why we're saying math. this is that if the flip goes wrong, we're only losing house money. Exactly. But the other way, if we're taking out our uh, a loan or equity out of our home to invest in a flip, if that goes wrong, you're now exposing your primary residence. Yes. So, so if the, order, the order is done in such a way where we're only investing with house money, money that if you lost it, it sucks, but it's not your hard-earned money. This is the money that we got to play with. Yep, that's right. So it's just a matter of, you know, if this is your reliable capital source, we want it to stay reliable. Mm -hmm. So the goal here is to get this number as as reliable as possible, but high enough that we can tolerate it. Now, let me show you how the numbers get really crazy here. Let's say you've got $500,000 in cash. You, you worked for, you flipped for two or three years and you, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't really matter how you got to it. Let's just say you were able to come up with 500 K in capital of cash of your own cash. You're not paying any debt and you can invest that at 12%. And then you turn around and you flip once a year and you need to, you need to get a 70% return on that capital. What does that do to the numbers? 17 million. Yeah. After 10. And I know most people that flip that are getting closer to a hundred percent. Now you're at 61 million. There's a reason why there's massive wealth to be generated in real estate. Right. Now, Am I suggesting that you could get 100% return or 70% return every single year for the next 10 years? Maybe, maybe not. But I guess what I'm advocating for is you can fiddle with these numbers here and you can figure out how to drive this to 10 million. And you're like, okay, well, I need 600,000. Yeah, go. and I think uh, you know that that ten million in in ten years, 
we're using this as an example. We don't know what your number is. Um, I've written 25 million when I've done this exercise before, right? Because 25 million gives me 100,000 a month really easily, mm -hmm. right? Um, so don't just use uh, uh, 10 million per se. Another thing too is it doesn't have to be 10 years. You know, we had um, Colton Fast in the Whale Club uh, on Wednesday. I mean, he said like the cool thing was once he realized, and it's hard for us because we're all drivers. We want it all, all done now. Once he gave himself permission to take longer to hit his goals, he could make clearer, sounder decisions with less pressure. Right. Yeah, the longer, the longer you give yourself, the more likely you are to get what you want. Yeah, so we put 10 years here. But man, if you're 22, it could be 22, it could be 20 years, 25 right. years, right? I mean, even at 25 years, you're not even 50 yet. Ugh, disgusting. So, <laughs> uh, I'm 43. 10 years sounds about right. I'll probably put it closer to seven for myself personally. So everyone's situation is different. So the example we're using, 10 mil in 10 years, it really is dependent on you. Also, what you're starting with. Yeah. Well, let me give you another. Let, let's let's talk to the capital raisers in the room, mm -hmm. because again, I'm not advocating anything. I'm all I'm suggesting here is this is something that could be done, and this is what math is. <laughs> so let's say that you're you know a lot of people that actually have money, and you can borrow a million dollars at eight percent from someone else. And then you can turn around and invest that into a development project, for example. I mean, I pay total IRR close to around 15%. I mean, most syndicators out there are investing for a 18% IRR, mm -hmm. essentially. I want to elaborate what that is. In, it's an internal rate of return. It's essentially, it's an annualized return. So just think of it in terms of like, I can get 15% every single year. IRR is just a way of saying like, this is what it is per year. Mm -hmm. So let's take this scenario. You borrow a million bucks at 8% and you turn around and you invest it with an operator at 15%. And then you do the same thing. You turn around and you take that money and you invest it into a flip. And it doesn't even need to go that great. It's just 50% of your, you know, you just need to take... 50% of your money every single year actively investing it in some form of real estate. You're at 8 million. Okay, mm -hmm. great. Let's fiddle with this number here. What if we raise 2 million? <coughs> 15.8 million. There you go. So you're like, oh, okay. So what about 1.5 million? Let's call it one and a half million. <laughs> That'll do it, right? So we talk about solvable problems all the time, guys. This is what we mean. Do you know your numbers? Did you know that if you wanted to make uh, $10 million over the course of the next 10 years, it starts by one strategy you could do. You might say, hey, I actually, I already have someone who's willing to live me, lend me a million and a half dollars at 8%. And I know somebody I can invest in it with 15%, highly reliably. Mm -hmm. Great. You can just take your money off the table each year and then go do one flip every single year. 
And literally, if you just did if you just did that for two years, took the money that you earned in those first two years, and then just flipped with that money, by the end of ten years, you'd have six point seven million. Again, if you borrowed that same million and a half, you didn't raise another dollar. <clears throat> you'd end up with close to twelve million dollars by the end of the ten years, and this was just so eye-opening for me because I was fighting so hard to build this big business mm-hmm. when realistically, what are we talking about here? Can you raise a million and a half dollars? Yes, I can. I already, I already have. I've raised almost $4 million. Mm-hmm. Let's plug this in. In the last year or so, we've raised <coughs> almost $4 million. And most of this is being raised at about 12%. But I'm turning around and I'm investing it into my development projects where I'm earning about 33% on that. That's uh, a little high. I guess it's more like 30. Um, and then let's say I took that money off the table and I did one flip with it per year. That's $46 million. Just doing that two years, taking the money off and then putting that into, you know, flip projects or development projects. Yeah, so I think did the what's interesting, right? Just for everyone that's like following along here. The previous example, or let's just say this current example, is you're just raising capital. Yeah. You're raising capital and you're doing a flip, right? That's it. In the previous example, um, you're borrowing against some of your assets, and you're doing flips. There's no wholesaling here. There's no sourcing of capital here, right? Or no sourcing of properties. There's no sourcing deals here. Uh, or there's no... We're not accounting for spending money to source deals. So what we're talking about here is if you're just a flipper, you only need to be patient and wait for one good flip a year. Right? You don't have to do deals. You don't have to do flips. If you're just patient and you just do one good flip per year, life is pretty good. Right? It might feel, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you might have a lot of anxiety waiting for that next flip. You don't know when it's going to come. But we're really just saying you only need one good flip a year. You don't need to spend money on data. You don't need to spend money on uh, cold calling. Um, a, a, a fancy CRM, um, PPC, direct mail, any of this stuff. And look, I'm not speaking against any of those things because that's what I do. I love finding deals, right? I love the hunt, right? What we're saying here is you don't need to hunt. You could just be the guy that flips. You know, there are a lot of flippers um, that don't care for how much we wholesalers charge. Right. But if you look at this here, if you're a good flipper, you have no overhead except for the flipping component. As a person that's sourcing deals, I'm spending tens of thousands of dollars every single month. And if I have a goose egg, that means Steve's writing a check to keep the company afloat. Mm-hmm. Right. So just bear in mind here. And I'm not and I'm not saying that flippers don't have any overhead, but most of their overhead is wrapped into the actual flip. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, you, you nailed it. What we're trying to illustrate here is not necessarily that building a wholesaling business is wrong, not saying that flipping houses is right or developing or none of these. It's, it has nothing to do with any of that. What it has to do with is our brains can't quite wrap our head around this math until you see it. Mm-hmm. You know, again, we say, yeah, but yeah, I want to go actively start doing flips with this source of cash or the source of money from my HELOC or 
source of money from that I'm raising or something like that. But if you're starting out, I mean, you're taking on a lot of risks to do that. And again, what the brain melting math says is back here on this chart is if I, if I can raise $4 million at 12% and I can partner with somebody, I mean, this is what I did with my development projects. I'm basically making a third of that deal and I raised the money and I'm paying the money off from my profit and I'm keeping the rest. And that's it. And we'll just do this once every year. That's it. I only need one good project a year. And it's also like, I'm just taking the money and, and kind of, my, mine's going to look a little different because I've sort of optimized for some different things. But I think this is my point is a lot of time we get the directionality wrong. Mm -hmm. We're trying to invest it at too high of a percent. You know, maybe you're starting off with 250K. And you can borrow this at prime plus one, which is what? Like, let's say 9% right now. And then you could get 15% in a syndication. And then you could get 50% as a flip. You know, that's 1.699 million. Again, and this is just, you're just tinkering with math. Again, what you'll start realizing is the lower you can get this percentage, the better. Mm -hmm. And this becomes an active participation in order to get 50%. But most people are making more than $22,000 a year actively investing. <coughs> you know? Yeah, and this is a, this is a, uh, an illustration of base case and chill. Yes. It's an illustration of base case and chill. It's exactly right. And again, we, we made this mistake in other areas of our life, other investment opportunities and things like this. Let's not make the same mistake in real estate. Let's not make the mistake of not knowing the numbers, mm -hmm. right? If you don't know and you don't see this stuff, you'll default to, well, I have to grow this massive business. No, you don't not. You don't have to do anything. There's not a right or wrong way to approach any of this. If you want to build a business because you want to be a leader, you want to impact people, like that's that's beside the point. The point is, is all I'm advocating is make decisions off of what the numbers actually say, mm -hmm. you know, um, because you and I would much prefer to just make decisions based on our impulses and like what we would rather do. But yeah. again, when you look at it and you realize, actually, I don't need to be working nearly as hard as I need to do the, or as I am right now. The goal is for me, how do I raise enough capital at a percentage, place it at a higher percentage, take the top, take the excess, you know, the house money. Thank you. Pay back the lender and then go gamble with, with that money, go gamble with house money and place that on things and if you do that successfully long right. enough, you are talking about not just like a couple million dollars. We could be talking about dozens of millions of dollars in these cases. And that's the brain melting math. Yeah, I know. It's, it's pretty insane. Um, could we share a link to this tab on our YouTube channel in the descriptions? So people can have it? Yeah. No. That's too bad. You can get it by uh scheduling a certainty talks or a, what do you call that a certainty strategy session with me yeah right this is this is a tool that we only use for whale club mm -hmm. um that my members you know get in the business treasury series and we help people kind of walk through this and evaluate it however i am willing to do this on a certainty strategy session for people i'm not just going to send people the spreadsheet because you know um it, it's it can <laughs> how do i say this it's almost like 
it doesn't make a lot of sense if you don't have clarity on what you actually want first. Mm. Bigger numbers don't always mean the right thing. And I think that can be confusing for people. They're like, well, why wouldn't I just, if I did this, I could make $80 million as opposed to $50 million. It's like, but you just told me you only needed 10. Yeah. So why are we taking on more risk to optimize for that? So what we're talking about here is you can walk them through this together and understand what their reliable capital source is, what their APR is, what their options are, or investment number one, investment number two, and then, and also figuring out, uh, talk them through what their target number is. And then we can show them, here's how you do it. Sure. I mean, that's exactly right. It's really, I look at this as I will help you do, do three things. Figure out where you are, figure out where you're trying to get to, and figure out what it would take, what a machine might look like. Mm -hmm. The ranges of of things that you could go and pursue because if you only need between 10 and 20%, that's a different type of investment profile than if you needed 50 to 70%. Yeah. If you needed over a hundred percent every single year, I'd say probably need to lengthen your timeline or figure out how to get access to more capital. Right. Um, and this is all really informative as we start building our business and our investments and, I, I do say this all the time. There's a big difference between a real estate investor and a real estate entrepreneur. Two different things, right? You, do, you don't have to you know, subscribe to this one size fits all. You have to build it this way just because somebody else is doing it. That's just not true. What we talk about in rigging the game is in order to rig the game, you got to know what you want. You got to know what success actually looks like. And then we help you design it based on your unique strengths and preferences and your own definition of success. And, um, you know, that's what we've been trying to do here for the last couple of years. And mm -hmm. yeah, we're getting really, we're getting closer and it's using yeah. tools like this by understanding the actual numbers that help us make better decisions in business. Right. No, it's, it's, it's definitely true. I mean, just the, the clarity I've had in just the last month and a half, and how I'm, you know, running my business. And I'm really excited because we got our quarterly uh, for our wholesale company is going to be uh, the, on the 15th. So in eight days. And then the quarterly for the other two companies on the following Monday and Tuesday. And now that we're having different questions going into the meetings, we're going to have better answers or better outputs right. from, from those meetings. Yeah, and, and again, you, you've been talking about the minimums, <clears throat> minimum profit and stuff mm -hmm. like this. And again, I'm going to come back to this equation here or this mm -hmm. spreadsheet here. It's like, if you know that your minimum profit target is we need to be able, sorry, we need to be able to earn 70% on the money that we're investing mm -hmm. into the active projects, the active side of the business needs to generate 70% in order for you to hit your goals. Yeah. You just, you just figured out your minimum profit target. Yeah. In uh, you and I, we had a conversation. Uh, not on this show, but somewhere else, um, on the call we had with uh, <clears throat> Jason Lewis. And yeah, we're going to change it. It's going to be, uh, what are our non-negotiables? Moving forward, what are our non-negotiables? Mm -hmm. It's great if you make more than 70%. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll take it. It's, it's part of collapsing time. We're going to get there a little faster, or we use that to take less risk. If you double your money in one year, maybe you don't have to do a flip the next year. You just take the year off. Right. You know, good, good on you. Um, so we'll take more. We don't want less because the whole point of the solvable problem is, are we on track to fund the things that we want? 
And that's why I think you're on, you're on the right track there. Um, talking about minimums, like what do we absolutely have to have in order for it, uh, to justify, continue running this business? Yeah. And that's key to continue to justify running it. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of people ask me some difficult questions, right? Like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? It's like, these are the non-negotiables. These have to happen. This makes everything else. This is the economic engine that makes everything else go. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the non-negotiables. Like, this must happen. <laughs> this must happen or, you know, heads are going to start rolling. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, so, and again, I, I just want to make sure I'm... <clears throat> clearly stating all this <clears throat> excuse me i'm not suggesting that if you invest your money at 12 percent with a private lender that there's no risk to that mm -hmm. i'm also not suggesting that you can get 70 percent every single year for 10 <clears throat> years actively investing <clears throat> i'm not saying that's not doable either right it's just this is what the math shows yeah if you understand None of the numbers numbers. you're sharing are unreasonable <clears throat> right so think about that as you're trying to design your machine. I mean, of course, you can uh, you can spend time with me. I'll walk you through this spreadsheet. You guys probably saw it enough if you want to make it on your own. I'm not going to send this out because this is something we only do for whales. Um, but like I said, I'm happy to just walk you through it and give you some direction so that as you're you know, starting your career or you're three years, five years, seven years in, and you're saying, man, I'd really like to not have to work so hard to get where I'm going, right? I don't want to keep chasing more and more and more. Well, let's look at the numbers and understand what do you actually need to hit your goals? Because it might be a lot less than you realize, yeah. and you might be a lot closer than you think, but because you just keep moving the goalpost further and further back, you never seem to get closer and closer to what you're going or what you're trying to do. So again, that's what we sort of help people do. And um, if you'd like to do that, you can go to realestatecertainty.com and, uh, Right there on the homepage, there's a little button that says book a strategy session. You can book that with me. It's a 45-minute call, and I'll go through this with you. Um, again, just to remind you guys, this is a better episode to watch than it is to listen because we are talking a lot of, about a lot of math, and it's just there's only so much you can talk about where it makes sense. So go to YouTube and go to Paul Sparks Official. That's my YouTube channel. We've got all the Certainty Talk podcasts on there now. Uh, again, you know, we had to pull it off of the Real Estate Disruptors podcast because you got a bunch of hooligans on uh, Pardon the Disruption. Oh, wait a talking about <laughs> <laughs> I love all those guys. Um, you got Pardon the Disruption. You've got a podcast interview. We've got Certainty Talks, and it was throwing off the YouTube algorithm. So it's all in the same place on the Disruptors podcast app. So on the app there, but we just had to pull it off YouTube. So if you want to watch this live, again, go to Paul Sparks Official and you can find it there under the Certainty Talks podcast, uh, I guess, channel. Perfect. Awesome. All right. So, again, the goal here was to melt your brains. Hopefully, we accomplished that. Uh, and then we will see you guys next week. Bye, everyone.